All right, we are live here in Milan on this beautiful Tuesday. Yes, it is a Tuesday here in Milan. Apologies for starting late. This is your DJ, DJ TBD. Today we're going to do something a little different from what I've done previously. This is going to be a little story time for today. So in my course right now here in Milan, we're learning about the history of the mafia. So we're reading a book called The Leopard, Il Gatto Bardo in Italiano. And we're reading the English version. It not only talks about the unification of Italy, but as a result, it talks about how the how the Sicilian mafia originated and how how it began, which all has to do with how the unification of Italy happened as well. So for today, I'm going to start by reading um, one of the chapters from The Leopard. So I hope you I hope you enjoy. This will not be in Italian for today. This is going to be in English. Okay, here we go. So this is The Leopard. This is by Giuseppe Tomasi di Lampedusa. Um, and this was translated from the Italian by Archibald Colquenhund. Um, and this is chapter one, Introduction to the Prince. So it starts out May 1860. The daily recital of the rosary was over. For half an hour, the steady voice of the prince have recalled the sorrow and the glorious mysteries. For half an hour, other voices have interwoven into a littling hum from which now and again would chime some unlikely word, love, virginity, death. And during that hum, the whole aspect of the Rococo drawing room seemed to change. Even the parrots spreading iridescent wings over the silken walls appeared abashed. Even the Magdalen between the two windows looked like a penitent and not just a handsome blonde, lost in some dubious daydream as she usually was. Now, as the voices fell silent, everything dropped back into its usual order or disorder. Bendico, the Great Dane, grieved at exclusion, came wagging its tail through the door by which the servants had left. The women rose slowly to their feet, their oscillating skirts as they withdrew bearing bit by bit the naked figures from mythology painted all over the milky depths of the tiles. Only an Andromeda remained covered by the salutine of Father Perone, still deep in extra prayer, and it was some time before she could sight the silvery Persis swooping down to her aid and her kiss. The divinities frescoed on the ceiling awoke. The troop of Triton's dryads hurtling across from hill and sea amid clouds of plicamen pink towards a transfigured conca d'oro, bent on glorifying the house of Selena, seemed suddenly so overwhelmed with exhalation as to discard the most elementary rules of perspective. Meanwhile, the major gods and goddesses, the princes among gods, thunderous Jove and frowning Mars and languid Venus, had already perceived the mob of minor de deities and were amiably supporting the blue armonial shield of the leopard. 
They knew that the next 23 and a half hours, they would be the lords of the villa once again. On the walls, the monkeys went back to pulling faces at the cockatoos. Beneath this palomarian Olympias, the mortals of the Selena family were also dropping speedily from the mystic spheres. The girls resettled the folds in their dresses, exchanged blue-eyed glances, and snatched of schoolgirl slang. For over a month, ever since the outbreaks of the 4th of April, they had been home for the safety's sake for their convent and regretting the canopied dormities, dormitories and collective co coziness of the Holy Redeemer. The boys were already scuffling with each other for possession of a medal of San Francisco di Paola. The eldest, the heir, the young Duke Paolo, longing to smoke and afraid of doing so in his parents' presence, was squeezing through his pocket the braided straw of his cigar case. His gaunt face was veiled in brooding melancholy. It had been a bad day. Goosecard, his Irish Sorel, had seemed off form, and Fanny had apparently been awaiting or unwilling to send him her usual lilac-tinted billet doux. Of what availed to then, to him, was the incarnation of his savior. For everyone who just joined listening today, this is DJ TBD, and for today I'm reading a passage from The Leopard, written by Giuseppe Bosconi. He's an Italian writer and wrote about the unification of Italy while also writing about the history of the mafia all into one book. I'm a student here in Milan studying, and I'm taking a course on the history of the mafia, and we got the chance to read this book. So I thought it'd be really interesting to break it out and read um, a few passages from it for this audience here. So I'm going to continue. Um, I'm going to switch on to chapter chapter four well you know what let's talk a little bit um maybe about the mafia and the legends the name so we understand a little bit more context so the mafia tells the story of three proud kings Oso, Matroso, e Carcagnoso <laughs> very Italian so, who in the 15th century, they fled from their native Spain to escape punishment for avenging the rape of their sister. Um, so, also landed in Sicily where he entrusted himself the protection of St. George and founded the Mafia, Matroso, adopted the Virgin Mary as his patron and went to Naples where he founded the Camorra, which is one mafioso group. Uh, Carcagnoso ended his wandering in Calabria where the help of St. Michael, he established the Nandrera, another mafia group. So the term mafia partakes in the ambiguity of the phenomenon. Now it has become an overused term and is actually a conceptual tool that has generically defines um, a criminal organization. Originally, mafia actually translated to meaning cool. It took its criminal connotations after 1863, after a play, by a man by the name of Gaspare Mocha. Um, and basically, these mafiosi were set in a Palermo prison and they were considered petty criminals. 
Um, so it was depicted in films and started getting this connotation of being a criminal violent organization, whereas at first it was just a matter, the mafia was just present for a matter of protection for um, the Sicilians. So the origins of the mafia are generally placed in 1860 um, after the annexation of Italy. Um, this is when Garibaldi um, took over and this is when Italy was unified. So Italy became part of, um, became unified with Sicily by King Vittorio Emanuele II from Piedmont and the Mafia and the new nation of Italy were born together. So the Risorgimento was this political, uh, cultural and military movement that in the 1800s brought Italy to national unity. The political and military promoter of the unity of Italy was the Royal House of Savoys. They're who were talking about in this book. So the Selina House, the Selina Villa is um, the Savoy family. So they were who ruled and they made up the Piedmont, Sardinia and vast region of Southern France which was the kingdom of Sardinia. So the first king of Italy was Victor Emanuele II of Savoy. So there's many different backgrounds about the mafia that make it what it, how it is depicted today uh, from different, different shows, like of course The Godfather, but this book, The Leopard, is really the first piece of literature, first first piece of work that communicated um, and set the foundation for the rest of mafia films and books today. So I'm going to read a passage from chapter three. It's where it really starts to starts to pick up in the in the book. Um, and we're going to hear a little bit about the, the prince and Tancredi and some of the characters. And it will not only give you a sense of what life was like then, back then, but it will also give a sense of what Sicily was like then, right before this unification, which is um, quite interesting, really. So, that'll be on in just a moment. Okay, so here is the pa passage from chapter three. This is the troubles of Don Fabrizio. And Don Fabrizio is the, 
He is the prince of the Selena Savoy family. They're the royal family um, in Sicily. So this is October 1860. The rains had come, the rains had gone, and the sun was back on its throne, like an absolute monarch kept off for a week by the subject's barricades, and now reigning once again. Caloric but under constitutional restraint. The heat braced without burning, the light demeanored but let colors live. From the soil sprouted cautious clover and mint, and on faces diffident hopes. Don Fabrizio, with his dogs Teresina and Aguto, and his retainer John Chicho, Tomeo, who would spend long hours out shooting from dawn till afternoon. The effort was out all of proportion to the results, for the most expert shot finds difficulty in hitting a target, which is scarcely ever there, and it was rarely that, rarely that the prince was able to take, his even, take even a brace of partridges home to the lauder, or Don Chicho to slap on his kitchen table a wild rabbit promoted, as usual, in, in Sicily to the rank of hare. A big bag would anyway have been a secondary pleasure for the prince. The joy of those days out shooting lay elsewhere, subdivided in many tiny episodes. It began with shaving in a room still dark by candlelight that was projected every gesture emphatically over the painted architecture on the ceiling. It was the wedded by crossing sleeping drawing rooms, by glimpses in the flickering light of tables with playing cards lying in disorder and chips and empty glasses, and catching sight among them, or a jack of spades, waving a manly, a manly greeting. By passing through the motionless garden under a green light in which the earliest birds were twisting and turning to shake the dew off their feathers, by gliding through the ivy-hung wicker gate, by escaping, in fact, and then in the street, blamelessly innocent, still in the early light, he would find Don Chicho smiling in his yellowed mustaches, and swearing affectionately at these dogs. These, as they waited, were flexing their muscles under velvety fur. Venus still glimmered, like the bloom on a grape, damp and transparent, but one could already hear the rubble of the solar chariot climbing the last slope below the horizon. Soon they would meet the first flocks, moving toward them torpidly as tides. Guided by stones thrown by leather-breed shepherds, the wool looked soft and rosy in the early sun. There there would be obscure quarrels of presidents to be settled between sheepdogs and punctilious pointers, after which deafening interval they turned up a slope and found themselves in the immemorial silence of pastoral Sicily. All at once they were far from everything in space and still more in time. Donna Fugata, with its place and its new richness, was only a mile or two away, but seemed a dim memory like those landscapes sometimes glimpsed at the distant end of the railway tunnel. Its troubles and splendors appeared even more insignificant than if they belonged to the past, for compared to this remote, unchangeable landscape, they seemed part of the future, made not of stone and flesh, but of the substance of some dream and things to come. Extracts from, extracts from a Eupatophia thought by a rustic Plato and apt to change any second into quite different forms. 
or not even to exist at all, deprived thus of that charge of energy which everything in the past continues to possess. They would no longer be a worry. Yes, Don Fabrizio had certainly had worries those last two months. They had come from all directions, like ants making for a dead lizard. Some had crawled with, from crevices of the political situation, had been flung on him by other people's p passions, and some, these had been the sharpest bite, had sprung up within himself, from his irrational reactions, that is, to politics and the whims of others. Whims was his name when irritated for what, in calm, he called passions. <laughs> he would review these worries every day, maneuver them, set in column or extended them in open order on the parade ground of his own consciousness, hoping to find in their evolutions a sense of finality that could reassure him and not succeeding. In former years, there had been far fewer brothers. And anyway, his stay at Donna Fugata had always been a period of rest. His worries seemed to drop their rifles, disperse into the windings of valleys, and settle down there quietly, so intent on launching bread and cheese, that their warlike uniforms were forgotten and they could be mistaken for in inoffensive peasants. This year, though, they had all stayed on a parade, on parade, in a body like monotonous troops and shouting and brandishing weapons, arousing in the home and the dismay of the colonel, of who would give the order, fall out, only to find his battalion standing there in closer and more threatening order than ever. The arrival had been all right, with bands, fireworks, bells, gypsy song, and te diem, but afterwards... The revolution climbing his stairs in Don Calogero's tailcoat, Angelica's beauty putting the shy grace of his conchetta in his shade, Tancredi rushing at the inevitable changes and even able to deck out his realistic motives with sensual infatuation, the scruples and deceptions to the plebiscite, the endless little subverges he had to submit to, he, the leopard, who for years had swept away difficulties with the wave of his paw. Tancredi had been gone for more than a month and was now at Caserta in front of the king. From there, every now and again, he sent Don Fabrizio letters, which the latter read with the alternate frowns and smiles, then put away in the remotest drawer of his desk. He had never written to Conchetta, though he had never forgotten to send her a greeting with her unusual affectionate slyness. Once he wrote, I kiss the hands of the little leopardess, and particularly conchettas, phrases centered by paternal prudence when the letter was read out to the assembled family. Angelica was now visiting them almost daily. So just for some context, Conchetta is the niece of the king. Angelica is this new woman on the stage, and there's a bit of a love triangle between Angelica Tancredi, who is the, the nephew of the king, who will be the next in line to take power. So Tancredi used to be in love with Conchetta, but Angelica is more beautiful and considered, as it says here, more seductive than ever. So... 
her beauty was so striking to him that he immediately saw her and knew he was going to want to marry her instead. She represents the rising capitalism of Sicily as it's being unified. Her father is from even deeper south and realizes and Don Grady is learning that he became rich very quickly and very mysteriously. So he, he was almost, the father was almost pre-mafiosi. Um, so, and his name is Don Calogero. That's Angelica's father. So we'll read on. So Angelica was visiting now them almost daily, more seductive than other, than ever, accompanied by her father, and did some old witch of maid. Obviously, officially, these visits were made to her friends and the girls. But in fact, their climax obviously came at the moment when she asked in the apparent indifference. And what news of the prince? Prince in Angelica's mouth did not, alas, mean him, Don Fabrizio, but the little Garibaldino captain. And this provoked a strange sensation in Selina. Woven from the crude cotton of se sensual jealousy to silken pleasure at his dear Tancredi's success. A sensation, when all was said and done, that was something disagreeable. It was always he who answered the question. He would give a carefully considered amount of what he knew, take, taking care, however, to present a well-arranged little bouquet of news from which his cautious tweezers had extracted both thorns, descriptions of many of a jaunt in Naples, Illusions of the lovely legs of Aurora Schwarzwald, dancer at the San Carlo, and the premature buds send news to Signorina Angelica. In Ferdinand's second, the second study, I found a Madonna by Andrea del Sarto, which reminded me of the Signorina Sedara. So he would put together an insipid picture of Tom Grady, which bore a very little resemblance to the original but did at least prevent anyone saying that he himself was acting either as soil sport or primp. These verbal precautions corresponded closely to his own feelings about Tancredi's considered passion, but they irritated him as much as they worried him. Anyway, they were only one sample of all the guile and language and behavior he had forced to adopt for some time. He thought with regret, regret of the year before, that he could say whatever went through his head. In the certainty that it's a silly remark that would be treated as words from the gospel and any unconsidered comment as princely carelessness. And now that he had begun regretting the past, he would find himself in moments of worse humor, slithering quite away down the perilous slope. Again, as he was putting sugar in a cup of tea which Angelica was holding out to him, he realized that he was envying the chances to open a Fabrizio Salina and Tancredi Falcoroni of three centuries before. Who would have rid themselves of urges to bed down the Angelicas of their day without ever going to before a priest or giving thought to such local, local girls' dowries, which anyway then were non-existent? or ever needing to be kept respectful uncles or tender hooks about saying or suppressing appropriate remarks. The impulse of atavistic lust 
which was not really all lust, but part sensuality stemming from laziness, stung the civilized gentleman nearly fifty so sharply that it made him blush. Somewhere, at infinite removes, he had touched by scruples, which he chose to call rosesque, and felt deeply ashamed, from which he may have deduced an even sharper revulsion against the social circumstances in which were so inextricably involved. That was a bit of a mouthful, that last part, but it's basically talking about how the beauty of Angelica and the decision to marry her was a little and was a little rushed and maybe maybe unthought of during this time. The sensation of finding himself a prisoner in a situation involving more rapidly than foreseen was particularly acute that morning. The night before, in fact, the stagecoach bearing the irregular and scanty mail to Donna Fuga in its canary yellow box and brought a letter from Tancredi. This proclaimed its importance even before reading, written as it was as sumptuous sheets of gleaming paper and in a harmonious script, scrupulously tracing full strokes down and thin strokes up. It was obviously the clean copy of any number of disordered drafts. In it, the prince was not addressed by the name of Nuncle, who had become dear to him. The willy youth had thought of a formula, dearest Uncle Fabrizio, which had the number of merits. By removing any suspicion of jesting on the verge of sacred ground, proclaiming from the very first line of importance, of what was to follow, of allowing the letter to be shown to anyone, and also providing a link with the ancient pre-Christian beliefs, which attributed to the binding power to the exact invocation of a name. Okay. So that's a little bit of the <laughs> of the leopard. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna continue reading it's very wordy um but yeah this is giuseppe tomasi di lampedusa's the leopard this is um the translated version and yeah so now i i'm going to play some songs for you all today um we just got some new records and also have a lot more records here that I need to explore so um, we're gonna have a little brief intermission and I'm gonna get started playing some songs for you all all right this is DJ TBD stay stay tuned
All right, all right. This is DJ TBD. We're going to start out with Cheap Thrills by Big Brother and the Holding Company. Uh, so we're going to start with the combination of the two. Uh, then listen to I Need a Man to Love. This is a really interesting <laughs> record. Has a little comic on the front. Ooh, and on the inside sleeve. Very interesting. All right. So I'm going to start with the combination of the two. Okay, here we go. This is Cheap Thrills, Big Brothers and the Holding Company. Only on MPRO Radio.
that was Big Brothers and the Holding Company. Uh, we're going to keep it going. I really like this. I like this record a lot. So that was Combination of the Two. And up next, we're going to listen to I Need a Man to Love. So here they are. And this is M. Crow Radio. And as always, M. Crow Radio is brought to you by M. Crow Beer, Glacier Cold, Fawn Fresh. All right. Hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday morning, wherever you are. Milan, New York, Philadelphia, wherever you are listening. Oregon. So, uh, yeah, here's more of the Big Brothers and the Holding Company.
right, that was I Need a Man to Love. And up next, this is Summertime. More of Big Brother and the Holding Group. Holding Company, excuse me. <laughs> and this is on Crow Radio. DJ TBD. Summertime. summertime all right big brother and the holding company up next we're gonna play some lisa lisa and the cult jam this is lost in emotion you're listening to m crow radio lost in motion lisa lisa and the cult jam
That was Lost in Emotion, um, and that was by Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam. So right now, I'm going to play one moment. Yeah, so right now I'm going to play um, some Neil Diamond. And I do not know much about Neil Diamond. The only time I heard his music was actually live. I was at the the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, actually. Um, but, and he played a Christmas song and did a cover. So I've never heard one of his songs before. So because of that, I, I chose a song to listen to by him. Um, and it is about eight minutes long. Uh, we'll see, we'll see if we want to listen for that long. We'll see. Um, but the name of the song The name of the song is Walk Off. So here's Walk Off Neil Diamond.
forgot. was Neil Diamond's walk off and we're gonna switch it up I have to say I think he was better at the Jimmy Fallon show but um here is some Roseanne Cash and we're gonna listen to what song did I choose by Roseanne that's a really good question This is Rainin. Rainin and Roseanne Cash. M. Crow Radio.
was raining by Roseanne Cash. Up next, we're gonna listen to some uh, disco party. I I can't seem to not play something disco. So here is Percy Faith uh, disco party. This is Cherry Cherry.
All right, all right. That was Percy Faith, Disco Party. Uh, up next, we're going to do some Culture Club. Uh, this is going to be... I really hope this is... Okay, I'm going to switch it because I really like the name of this, the title of this song. All right, this is Karma Chameleon Culture Club. Hope you enjoy, only on MCRO Radio.
Club. So up next, I'm gonna we're gonna pick it up a little bit with some uh, Boogie Wonderland, Earth and Fire, uh, and only on Mcro Radio. Brought to you by Mcro Beer, Glacier Cold, Fawn Fresh. All right, Boogie Wonderland.
All right, <laughs> that was Boogie Wonderland. It's so great every time. Okay, so we're gonna keep it going uh, with some mixed grill, brand new while. All right, here we go. Brand new while. Hey man, what is it? It's a brand new while.
All right, that was brand new while mixed mixed grill. All right, this next song is going to be another Earth, Wind, and Fire. This one is which one did I choose? We're gonna do Let Your Feelings Show, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and you're listening here on MCO Radio. Uh, so so here we go. Enjoy.
All right, that was Let Your Feelings Show, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Up next, we're going to go back to a little brand new Wyo. I like bouncing off this, these groovy beats we got going here. So, uh, yeah, up next we got, let's see. This is going to be Show Me Your Backside. This, this is a good one, trust me. Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah. I'm a good guy. I'll give you more Cause you, you got a boom, boom, boom. Cause I need to be alone. I think I need, I think I'm gonna get into your room, room. I, I think I get, I think I'm gonna get the rhythm of a boom. No, 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 no. Show me your backside, show me your backside, a two foot two, a double two, a double two, show me your backside, show me your backside, a two foot two, a double two, no, 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 Show me your backside, brand new whale. We're gonna go right into the next one. This is Get On Up. Oh yeah. Alright, Emperor Radio.
All right, that was Thriller, Michael Jackson. I figured Halloween's coming up, so why not? Um, and here we go. We're going to listen to Pure and Easy, The Who. Slowing it down on MCRO Radio.
That was pure and easy. The Who. Up next, Carpenters. This is Jambalaya.
Grooving by Young Rascals. We're going to hand it over now to El Tigre and 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 Bella Noche. Yeah, El Tigre and Bella Noche. All right, take it away. This is DJ TVD. Thanks for tuning in today. <laughs> 